And joining us now to talk about the latest in the James Comer versus FBI Director Christopher Wray battle over a potential Biden bombshell document that could be showing bribery is Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett, who has also written what is sure to be another big bestseller. It just came out yesterday. The book is called The Trial of the Century. Greg, great to have you here on the show. Oh, Rita, it's always my pleasure. Good to talk to you. You know, first, I just want to get to all this news with James Comer and Christopher Ray. They had a discussion today, and at the end of it all, it looks like now Ray is saying, okay, you know what, you can come and look at it privately, look at this document. He confirmed it exists, so that's interesting, but he's not sharing it with all of Congress. What's your reaction to all this? Well, it's not complying with a duly authorized congressional subpoena, and there's no legitimate basis for Ray to refuse. The document is not classified. The FBI now admits its existence after waffling about that, which is suspicious on its own. And Congress has a right to see it under its constitutional oversight duty. Uh, and if, you know, if there's a concern about a confidential informant, that name can easily be redacted. So it appears there are a couple of choices, criminal contempt or civil contempt. Um, the, the criminal contempt would send it to the U.S. attorney in Washington. But that person appointed by Biden reports to Garland, who reports to the president, who's the subject of the disputed document over evidence of crimes. And raise the target of the criminal contempt if they choose that course. And he reports to both Garland and Biden. So there's an obvious multiple uh, disqualifying conflict of interest. If you give it to Garland, he'll do nothing. And he won't abide by federal regulations that demand he recuse himself. So that leaves you with a second option, civil contempt. Uh, which is filing a lawsuit in federal court, uh, sending the matter to a federal judge who could then order Ray to comply. problem with that is it's often time-consuming. It can take months or even a year for a judge to rule. Wow. So do you think, obviously, that may be the only option? And if that's the case, then they just kind of play the waiting game. Well, I mean, they may choose option number one, criminal contempt, because... Um, it would be ugly for Garland to do nothing since he went after, you know, Steve Bannon. Uh, you know, the Justice Department went after Steve Bannon. Boy, did, boy did he go after Steve Bannon. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, they really did. And uh, so, you know, it would look like it's purely politically motivated, which is what Garland does with everything. So, you know, they may want to create the criminal contempt, ugly comparison to expose Garland for what he is. He's been running a protection racket for uh, the Biden influence peddling scandals. You know, how big of a deal is it uh, if they do do that? And just like you said, it would certainly highlight the double standard. My goodness, which you have so eloquently you always talk about on the air. Um, How big of a deal is it if they go after Ray? And do you think he'll ultimately comply or do you think is your gut that he'll just kind of hold fast? Oh, he'll probably try to follow the Eric Holder model of continuing to obstruct and hope that the matter goes on for more than a year, uh, maybe two years. 
in uh, a changing Congress, and then it's all withdrawn. So, you know, he's betting the odds of history. But uh, what we did hear from Ray is that the document exists. He is saying to Comer and also Grassley, hey, you guys can come in and see it. At least that's a start. Um, what do you think this may reveal? I mean, clearly the document exists. And I think it's really interesting that uh, at least he's confirmed that it is there. It's an FD-1023. That could even be explosive just that they get a look at it. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a a, a document that in and of itself um, doesn't uh, support a crime. It requires uh, other measures of proof. But uh, it apparently, according to a whistleblower exposed this, comes from a a uh, confidential informant who has been reliable in the past and had direct access to what what happened, which is uh, the exchange of apparently $5 million uh, for Biden's uh, promise to alter uh, a policy dictate, uh, apparently when he was vice president of the United States. You know, Obama put Biden in charge of a lot of different countries, and isn't it interesting that all of them um, are involved in his son's influence peddling schemes? And and you know, documents on the laptop implicate the father as complicit in you know the selling of access and promises of future influence. Now, you know, Democrats love to say, oh, you know, that's uh, you know, it's wrong, but it's not a crime. Nonsense. They don't know the law. It is a crime. It's a crime under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, a uh, crime of conspiracy. It involves bribery. Uh, and, and beyond that, you know, uh, arguably selling out your nation is, you know, uh, treason, bribery, high crimes and misdemeanor and impeachable offense under the Constitution. So, you know, Americans deserve to have some answers. And, you know, Congress has every right to see the evidence. I mean, who in the world trusts the FBI to do the right thing after we watched their devious activities in the Trump-Russia phony collusion hoax, and then their manipulation and censoring in the 2020 election of the laptop story, pressuring social media into suppressing and silencing. Yeah, you're right. Boy, they have a huge credibility issue. And we're talking about, of course, legal proceedings. Greg Jarrett, you have just written uh, this awesome book uh, called Trial of the Century. The book just came out yesterday. I'm so proud of you. This is really interesting. And I want to get your sense as to why you picked this case. Of course, it was a huge case in history. Uh, the Scopes Monkey Trial. Tell us what drew you to this. And boy, is it timely. Well, it started when I was a teenager and I grabbed a book off my father's bookshelf and it was a biography by uh, the great Irving Stone on Clarence Darrell. And I kept reading and I read it all and I read it over again and I admired his passion for the law, sense of justice, his commitment to civil liberties and intellectual freedom and you know, it changed my life that that's when I decided, you know, to become a lawyer. And at the back of the book, uh, there was a chapter on the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial, Darrow's most famous case. And at risk and in jeopardy was our cherished right to free speech. In Tennessee, they'd made it a crime for a school teacher to teach evolution. 
um, because they feared it might conflict with the Bible, which it does not. Uh, suddenly, a school teacher by the name of John Scopes was arrested, and Darrow was incensed. He volunteered to defend him. And the climactic event in the trial came when Darrow called to the witness stand the prosecutor, William Jennings Bryan, who was the fundamentalist leader who got the law passed. And believe it or not, Bryant didn't object, the judge didn't object, and on cross-examination, on an outdoor platform, with thousands of people looking on, Darrow utterly destroyed Bryant, so much so that Bryan, a broken man, laid down for a nap and never woke up. Wow. And by the way, of course, uh, Williams Jennings Bryan, uh, three-time, uh, right? He was a multiple presidential candidate, yeah. former Secretary of State. I mean, he was a huge player in his day. What What do you think is the lesson, clearly, uh, to fight for free speech, no matter who you're up against, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're seeing some of this today where the government gets involved in partisan censorship and political discourse, polarizing disinformation campaigns, classroom indoctrination. And we see this punitive cancel culture forming where conformity of thought supplants robust debate. And this is anathema to you know, free speech and our Bill of Rights in America. And yet over and over again, we see the government intruding on individual rights, intellectual freedom, And Darrow and Scopes fought for the indispensable proposition that nobody should be told how to think. That is as relevant today as it was at the time of the trial in 1925. What are your thoughts on the whole thing with CUNY, the City University of New York, with the speaker who spoke at the commencement, um, the difference between hate speech, because many believe that certainly was where she was bashing Israel, bashing CUNY, bashing the NYPD versus free speech? Well, I, you know, free speech is exactly what it means with only a few limitations. And hate speech is protected speech under the First Amendment. And I'm a believer uh, in, in free speech. He certainly exercised it. But there are consequences to your speech, especially if it's hate speech. Uh, and, you know, the public outcry is a reflection of those consequences. And, you know, uh, there there can also be punishment uh, since this is a government-funded uh, university. It was incredibly unwise uh, for, uh, you know, the City University of New York to select this individual, given her known um, anti-Semitic rants in the past. And, you know, I personally find it appalling But like Darrow, I would uh, defend her right to speak, even hate speech. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you think Clarence Darrow, uh, being able to really like uh, roll up your sleeves and get into the case, how do you think he'd be looking at critical race theory and some of these other things today? Yes, in fact, I devote uh, the end of the book to a discussion about how Darrow would handle critical race theory. You know, 100 years ago, it was evolutionary theory. Now it's a different battlefront and a different theory called critical race theory. And the problem, of course, is there's no universal agreement on what it is and what it means. There are disparate versions of it. The more benign version 
And I think the correct version of it is that we should not sanitize American history when it comes to teaching students. Uh, they, they, you know, should not receive a cleansed version of the ugly legacy in America of slavery and segregation and racial hatred, Jim Crow laws, and those who oppose civil rights for all. And if that's what CRT means, and it does in some places, then an accurate, honest, forthright depiction of American history is appropriate. But unfortunately, in other venues, it is becoming classrooms a venue for hate, uh, for for guilt and shame, where students are being told. And I, I give specific examples in the book. I'm not just making it up where students are being told you fall into one of two class based on the color of your skin, the oppressed or the oppressor. Now, children shouldn't be taught that they're irredeemably racist and feel guilt and shame over that. That's fundamentally wrong, and anybody with an ounce of common sense knows it, and yet it is occurring. Darrow would seek common ground in between. Leave it up to educators and and with parents' input and administrators to decide what is appropriate and accurate curriculum. Yeah, 1,000%. Well, boy, is your book timely, and boy, is it fascinating, and I'm glad that it inspired you uh, to pursue this incredible career that you have, my friend Greg Jarrett. Everybody, the book is called The Trial of the Century, and you can get it uh, wherever you get your fine books, at bookstores, online, everywhere. It just came out, and again, it is going to be another blockbuster, and boy, perfectly timed to what's going on in this country. Greg, thank you very much for being here. Rita, my pleasure. Always great talking to you. And great to have you here, my friend.